Well, hello, my lovely audience. It is your host, Natalie, Nat, Naturally Ryan, whatever you want to call me. You know I go by all of them. And today, um, on our latest episode of When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? It's not going to be a fun episode. It's not going to be the most exciting or the most uh, positive like the other ones have been. All the other ones seem to have some positive spin, even the one talking about my autoimmune disease. But today... I'm just really sad. Like, halfway through the day, I just became incredibly sad. And not just sad, but like anxious, anxious sad. And sadness from anxiety feels way different than just being sad. Like, it's it's a sort of... When I get really anxious and I become sad because of it, it's because it's like a sort of existential anxiety. It's an anxiety that deals with some of my greatest like fears and a lot of my fears, a lot of my greatest fears revolve around not succeeding in life. Um, incredibly huge fear of failure, incredibly huge fear of dying, incredibly huge fear of all of that fun times. And I've been trying to pull myself out of it. I've been trying to pull myself out of it for a couple hours, well, an hour, a couple hours for a little while. I've been trying to pull myself out for a little bit and nothing has worked in the way it usually does. Generally, I just write out the sadness wave or I distract myself by doing something. So I'm streaming and recording the podcast so that I have something to do. Whether or not this ends up being a, um, whether or not this ends up being a one that I actually post or not, that'll depend. But yeah, um, around the middle of the day, probably around four or five-ish, I would say. I started feeling really anxious for honestly, not really much of a reason. I was sitting in my room actually editing the podcast episode before this and I felt awful. I just felt like, felt like crying. And I was like, why do I feel like crying? There's no reason to be crying. And then I started thinking, like, I got really nervous and shaky and I was thinking about, I was thinking about like, all of these people that I hope to meet and I hope to get to talk to someday, that I hope to get to express my gratitude to for, for being an, an influence and an inspiration to me. Like, I'm never going to meet them and I'm never going to be able to talk to them about that and I'm never going to be a successful musician and I'm never going to be a successful writer and I'm never going to be a successful, like, YouTuber and, and streamer. I'm never going to be whatever. And my mind just spiraled through that. And then I just got really sad because I was like, oh, I'm never going to be that and I'm going to die alone because that's obviously the next logical jump, right? It's, it's not, but um, it is the jump that did in fact happen. And so since then, I've been feeling not very hot, feeling feeling very not good. And then I found, here's the thing that people don't understand. When you hit these sort of anxiety spirals, or you're, you're in a depressive episode and you feel something hit you, and you feel it, and you know it's not a big deal, you know that this is something that won't affect many other people, but to you, this is the biggest thing in the world right now, I found one of my notebooks on the floor and it's the one that I have been like doing the most and like I've been doing things daily in it and it's very impressive for me to keep a daily journal because I I don't fill it out daily but I found this notebook on the floor and it had gotten um like parts of the paint parts of the design were like rubbed off and then it was bent and like it almost sent me into tears because I didn't like I just it was just one little stressor on top of everything else that I was already dealing with that just made me feel even worse I did try to take steps to like avoid this emotional whatever happening right now. Um, and my advice to people who deal with anxiety 
and who deal with um, depression. Basically, with the entire thing going on, um, the way that I've tried to keep myself mentally sound and my advice to people who want to try and pull themselves out of sad episodes or depressive episodes or anxious episodes like this, you need to immediately recognize the thought you're feeling and go, okay, this is going to be a sad spiral or this is a sad spiral, as I call them, my sadness spirals. I need to drink water, eat something because I generally haven't eaten by that point possibly take a nap only after eating. You can only sleep after you eat. Um, and then you need to try, try your hardest to meditate for at least a little bit. I was able to get five minutes out of myself, but I couldn't do any longer because it was just me sitting alone with my thoughts and that wasn't helping. And then try to do something that makes you feel either productive or creative. Um, and don't stress yourself out too much about this, but like just try to get some emotions out. Like generally, if I'm feeling not very good, this is the same time I would record a vlog for my YouTube channel because I'd be like, hey, I'm sad. <laughs> um, and then it would give me something to edit so I would have something to like put my focus to for, for a couple of days to kind of like help me. Because sometimes these, these onsets of sadness can last an hour, sometimes they can last a couple hours, sometimes they can last like half a day, sometimes they last a few days. Um, and past then, that's when I'm like, okay, this is like an actual episode, like I need to think about my body and like take it slow. Um, and here's the, here's the deceiving thing about some of these episodes is that like, I'll get sad, I'll get anxious, and I'll like go low, and then I'll like listen to a song I like, or I'll be happy for a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, like three to five minutes, and I'm like, yeah, we're good. And then I'm not good <laughs> and I crash again. And then I'm like, oh, that was even worse because I was high and then I was low and then I was high again and then I was low again. It's like that roller coaster. And I've been thinking a lot about like what it means to me to be successful. And that's, that's part of the reason that I got so stressed and anxious was because I was thinking about what it means to be successful. And to me, success, success in what I wanna do is something that's really hard to obtain great um but i i i do want to be i want to be famous and i i hate saying that because people hear that and they're like oh you're so vain and i'm like no like listen the only reason that i ever care about fame is because fame inherently comes along with the ability to persuade the ability to educate the, the ability to inform the ability the ability to spread a message and that's what I want. I don't really care about fame as in excess and wealth. I don't really care about that. I don't care about... The only reason I would want millions of dollars is so that I could just be like, Hey, you want to solve global warming? Here's a loan. Like, not even a loan. Just take my money. <laughs> like, I want to be so wildly rich that I could just solve the world's problems. Like, I can't believe that billionaires don't just go around solving things. Like, if I had all of the money in the world to take care of, like, the garbage patch <laughs> in the ocean, I would just do it. Like, how do you not just do it? <laughs> so, that's why I would want that, is I want to be able to, like, inform people about things that matter. That's why I talk about mental health. That's why I'm here on this podcast. That's why I have my YouTube channel, which isn't, I mean, my small audience that at least listens to me rant from time to time. That's why I do what I do, because I hope that I'll amass that sort of fame. I'll, I hope that I won't have to take time away from making the content that I love to make and want to make um, for in, in place of like a job or something. I, I don't want that. I want to be, be able to be paid for being creative because that's kind of, that's what feels right to me. Being a musician 
making music, being a performer, that feels so innate in me that I couldn't imagine not having that. And it breaks my heart thinking that, it breaks my heart that my own anxiety tells me I can't. It breaks my heart that my own brain tells me I can't. Like that is, it's kind of the biggest punch in the face, yeah? Like even when you don't believe in yourself. <laughs> like, and people have always told me, um, especially in school, people told me that they didn't talk to me because they thought my niceness, they thought my, not just my niceness, but like my personality was an act. They thought I was fake. They thought that there, there wasn't a way that I could be so like eccentric and be genuinely myself. And the first time someone told me that, I was like, huh, that's weird. The second time someone told me that, it really hurt. Third time I heard it, I was devastated. Because that meant that it was like a common occurrence, like a common theme coming up. And that still makes me really sad to think about. I think the thing that I'm struggling with the most now is that like nowadays to be famous you have to have some kind of type of gimmick even if it's even if it's the most minute thing right you have to have some type of gimmick um, like people who who have next to no personality can get famous because they know a couple dances and post them on the internet right <laughs> but then I spend like six hours editing a YouTube video and I get 30 views so anyway, it's just, I think, I think the thing that makes me sad is that I would really, I, I don't want to be confined to one type of art. Like, I want to be an, an artist who does everything. I want to, I want to do, I want to do writing, I want to do singing, I want to do dancing, I want to do acting. Like, I, I don't want to be one thing. <laughs> and I know that it can be really difficult to make it as one of those things, let alone all of those things. And it makes me really uncomfortable to think about because that means like, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to pick one of these things to do, right? I can, I can only be one thing, and I've never been comfortable with only being that one thing. I, I don't like that very much in the slightest. It's um, it's challenging. It's challenging for me to like think about that and to realize that and to realize that to be successful I'll have to make sacrifices because I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm very good at balancing too many things on my plate at once but I'm not good at taking things away. And I, I think the reason I wanted to make a podcast now is because if I can get two, first of all if I can get two episodes posted in one day, wow, then that's impressive. That is very impressive. Um, but at the same time it, it makes me really upset. Um, I don't know, like, I just felt like, with the title of it being When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go, I felt like it would be kind of appropriate to, uh, have me talk about being anxious on, on camera and being recorded when I'm actually feeling anxious, because generally when I sit down to record these, I'm super, super full of energy and I'm super ready to go, but now, now I am not. But the problem with, with my editing and YouTube and me being anxious is, um, when I get super anxious, I don't have the capability to sit down and to like just edit. Like I don't have the ability to, to rein in all of my emotions to focus on it because it's something very tedious. And so I need to go in and like be able to withstand that and survive that for a couple of hours, which is very difficult for me because I don't like sitting still. I don't like staying in one place. Like it's very difficult for me to binge watch shows. It's very difficult for me to like Unless I'm doing something while binge watching, I can't really do it. 
And that's been, that's been a big downside of actually having a phone is now I always have something in my pocket that could entertain me or something in my pocket that I could be checking for like Instagram notifications or Twitch notifications or anything. Like I now have something that can forever keep me preoccupied to, to convince me that I'm being more productive than I really am. And that, that is a very slippery, slippery slope, very scary slope, because that, that means that I could theoretically never pay attention to one thing ever again. <sighs> I think that, I think I like doing the podcast format a little bit more than the YouTube format, because even though when I stream the podcast, there is the, the off chance that people could be mean on the internet, which people are always mean on the internet. Um, like, I tried to stream earlier today, and people were very mean to me, and so I was like, okay, no, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave. And so I did, because, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I was just feeling very sensitive, and so one, one very uh, well-poised insult to my facial structure was enough to just tear down that confidence. But I like... I like streaming because it's just, it's really, I like having an audience. It feels like I'm talking to people when I'm not really talking to people. <laughs> really, I, I've had anxiety my whole life. I was diagnosed when I was six. I, I was six years old when I got the diagnosis. And so it, I've never, there's nothing for me to compare it to. Like there's no, it's not like I was fine and I was living this normal, quote unquote, normal happy life. But then I got diagnosed later on. Like I know a lot of people who in their 20s get diagnosed with it from from really stressful workloads and school loads and all of that. I never had any quote unquote normal life to compare it to, like a, a life without without being anxious. That's just how I was. It's like, people are always like, oh, I'm so sorry you're dyslexic. And I'm like, why are you sorry I'm dyslexic? Like, I was diagnosed when I was five. Like, wh why are you sorry about that? Like, you didn't, you didn't make me dyslexic. No one had a say in whether or not I was dyslexic. It was just that way. I don't have a life to compare it to. It's not like I developed dyslexia because that's not how it works. This is just my existence. And if you really felt sorry for me or like really wanted to help me, you would realize that I am still like a normal, <laughs> person like I'm, I'm still a normal individual who who just has a couple other things to deal with a few other things on my plate um and a lot of those things on my plate are my own worries my own insecurities but they're amplified because my brain looks at that and sees it as a threat or and it looks at it and sees that i am like inadequate in some way and that it makes me stressed so I don't like when people say they're sorry for me, like, especially when it comes to the dyslexia thing, because like really no one had control over that. It, it just makes me, I don't know, it makes me, it makes me sad. It makes me sad when like a lot of my friends, they'll treat me one way when they find out, like when they first meet me, but when they find out that I have an actual anxiety disorder or they find out that I am dyslexic or they find out that I have like trauma <laughs> from my past, just generalized trauma then they, they suddenly treat me just a little differently. And I can feel it. And people have even told me like in classes, like in my AP classes, people would find out I was dyslexic and then they would ask me if I could read. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I can. Like sometimes, sometimes it's a little harder, not gonna lie, but it's not like I can't. 
and I, I did, as I got older, I realized like, so when I was younger, I did definitely think that more people experienced anxiety and more people had these issues. I thought that that was more common. And then when I found out that it was not common and not everyone felt like this, it was really jarring because for a long time, I just expected that people would understand what I was going through. So if I mentioned it, I thought that it would be understood and it never was. Um, and then with dyslexia, like I don't usually bring it up unless it has, a, unless I have a reason. Um, the, the only problem is, is that I use humor to cope a lot, like with things that have happened to me and with me being, you know, having anxiety and being dyslexic, um, joking about it kind of makes me feel like I have control over it because it means that like, it doesn't control me. It means that I can joke about it and be fine. And so if I make a joke and people around me don't know about it and then they're like, oh, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, um, gotta explain that now because now you're asking questions. And some people are really fine with it and other people just aren't. Like, yeah, I cope with music a lot too. Um, music is so very influential and meaningful to me that honestly, I, there are times where I try to talk to people about music and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore because I tried and now you look at me like I'm crazy because I'm describing the music in a way that you don't get and it, and it not just don't get, but like you don't understand why it's such a crucial part of my life. And it's very stressful trying to let people in on those little nuances of, of your, of your mind, especially when you're considered to be neurotypical or you have mental health issues like letting people in on that is really um it's really hard <laughs> it's very hard and i think that i think that right now these streams and these podcasts are going to be more vulnerable than they ever will be again because right now when i see that i have two viewers or five viewers or ten viewers that's fine that's totally fine because that's so few people or if i see that i got five streams or ten streams like that's fine because that's so few people who now just know a little bit more about me but if i had a thousand people watching this stream or if i had a million people <laughs> if I had a million people listening in i don't think i'd be able to be this unfiltered about who i am um i describe music in in just weird ways and not only that, like, it's... When I say that I love a song or like a song, like, I don't mean I just listen to it a lot. Like, I mean, I have written essays on songs that I love. I have written entire papers, like, pages and pages of papers about songs that I love. And I know that people don't do that. I know that's not a common practice, but I've done it. <laughs> I, and I've made YouTube videos about songs that I love, like, my reactions to them and the, the parts of the musicality that's just amazing. And... And... It makes me feel really uncomfortable when I have to explain that to a person face to face. Because if I make a video about it or if I stream about it... But when I... If I stream about it or if I talk about it, then it just... It makes me feel better because it feels more like a creative outlet. Like I'm making content for people to watch on the internet, which feels a little bit different than me sitting down in my living room and being like, hey, here's why I love this song and have to listen to it eight times a day. <laughs> like that's, that's what I, yeah, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I struggle with. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I can feel my anxiety in my shoulder blades. Ah. <laughs> If I keep rubbing my shoulders and you can see it on the stream, it's because I'm actually like physically hurting. Um, 
that's the that's the other thing people don't get it's like your anxiety can make you feel physical effects like the amount of times i've been sick over the last nine to 12 months um because of my anxiety and i mean physically ill like can't get out of bed ill like it's it's been probably five or six times i wish that i could explain to people that like the physical the physical ailments that are caused by anxiety are just as real like it's not quote unquote all in my head when it starts impacting the way that i live like the amount of muscle tension i have i don't think people have touched my shoulders and they're like oh you need to relax i'm like this is as relaxed as i get like i can't <laughs> i can't um i've had like severe severe stomach issues from like being too anxious um i've made myself sick i've gotten so sick that i've given myself pink eye on accident because if you like if you stress yourself out enough and your body can't fight off like bacteria and with my you know me being immunocompromised like i get pink eye so many times just out of like stress like actual stress do you know how crazy that is that i can think myself into illness like that <laughs> it hurts it hurts oh it's so bad I wish that I could explain to people a little bit better that it's not me being lazy, it's me actually feeling so scared that I can't, that I can't move on, that I can't like, I can't push myself to keep going right now. Like it's, it's rough and my, my body aches. The other problem is that my anxiety is very closely related with my autoimmune disease. Like I've noticed that the more anxious I am, um, the more I'm aware of like residual symptoms uh, from my autoimmune disease. So like my, I can, I'll notice that if I'm super anxious for a long period of time, like my legs will fall asleep more, which I described in my other episode and my other stream as like, honestly feeling like my legs are on fire, um, which very bad. And I'll notice like, I'll notice that I have more balance issues and coordination issues if I'm super anxious because I just can't focus to like get everything where it needs to be. Um, thank you for listening in. If you stuck with it, if you're one of my college professors who has to listen to this to give me a grade on my emotional maturity or whatever, um, thank you. You're a real MVP and I hope that you give me an A. Um, and if you're one of my friends who just hasn't heard me in a while and wanted to listen in, I love you and I miss you. And if you're one of my friends I haven't met yet, I also love you dearly and hope to see you soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and I will catch you in the next episode.